little bit about, you know, kind of how you got into this gig, where you started and, you know, kind of where you are now. Yeah. So my background is in uh, automotive okay. and, and uh, video production. Okay. And then... Uh, so, so you fit right in here, right? Yeah. So yeah. Perfect. It's a great setup, man. Great thing you're doing here. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but my real estate background, it comes from kind of an informal background. Mm -hmm. So when I was a child... Uh, I would be calling uh, listings in right. the neighborhood. Right. Anytime I would drive by. Uh, As a kid? On my bike, yes. Okay. Uh, anytime I would ride by, I would I would try to memorize the number. Right. And uh, I would go home and call them. You know, we had the phone on the wall. Right, right. With the call. long cord. Yeah. Yeah, I'd dial, dial the number. And they'd say, so-and-so real estate. I said, hey, that house on Rosewood. Yeah? Uh, how much do you want for it? Well, uh... You know, back then it was forty-five thousand, right? Sixty thousand, right? Is it two or three bedrooms? It's a three bedroom. Oh wow! Okay, son, uh, can you have your mom call us <laughs> or your dad? Oh, oh, they don't speak Spanish. They don't speak English. <laughs> they don't speak English. They say, oh, okay. And then they would give me all the information. Right. That was twofold. Yeah. One, because I wanted to know a lot about the neighborhood. I wanted to know every house that was for sale. I wanted to know how much. Yeah. How many bedrooms it was. Right. All that stuff. But also, I wanted to know if it had a swimming pool and if it was vacant. So we're oh okay. So you were you were calling listings to try to figure out what the property had, so right. you could go take advantage and uh, go and swimming swim. or hang out, do whatever. Yes. If nobody's living there, then right. It's so we did that a couple of times. We went swimming at vacant. That's scary when right. you think about it. Yeah. Some kid swimming at my listing. Right. It's vacant. Very yeah. scary. Right. But we did it. Yeah. Well, we did a lot of things as kids that <laughs> nowadays. <laughs> we cleaned the pool too. Yeah. We also cleaned the pool. Okay, so, if it so was... you're a responsible vagrant. Yes. Is yes. what you're saying. Okay, I got you. Responsible, yeah. We didn't cause any property damage. We actually right. left it better than we found it. Right. But we right. did get caught once, and okay. they were just horrified. It was somebody coming to see the house. Right. And they thought, are you the are you the kids that live here? No, no, no. But, uh, yeah, that's kind of my, my background there. Just so that's where you first thing. got the taste for properties and real estate was... Uh, Hopping in swimming pools of uh, expired or empty listings, right? Empty listings, right. yeah. And checking, just checking out the whole neighborhood, trying to find out, you yeah. know, what. And I would come back and tell my mom, Mom, there's a three-bedroom house two, two streets down, and it's this much. And she would say, no, we're fine. I knew we weren't fine because it was a two-bedroom. Yeah. And at one point, we had nine people at my house. Wow. Nine people. So sometimes you just need to get out of the house just to get away from everybody. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. yeah. I'd yeah. ride my bike for miles. Right, right. Just not to be crammed in there with uh, the rest of the family. Right. right. My sibling and my cousins and everything. But you know what? It was the funnest time ever yeah. growing up in that situation. It was so fun. But uh, So did your parents grow up around here too? That's another real estate story there. My mom and dad, um, they, when they got married, they moved to the United States from, uh, from Mexico. And... My grandfather gave my mom two properties over there and said, you can do whatever you want. When you guys come back, you can live here, you can sell them. She wound up selling them. They moved and uh, they rented the little apartment. <clears throat> the way she describes it is that uh, it was so bad that she had to nail a, a rug down on the floor for two reasons. One, so that nobody would step in the hole that was in the floor. Right. And number two, so the rats wouldn't have a, a place to come into the house. Oh, that was keeping the burn yeah, out too. Yeah, it was huh? so bad. Wow. Okay. So she nailed this rug, this area rug to the floor. Uh, but anyway, the, the, the complex was in such bad condition, but they were uh, just trying to survive. 
my dad was uh, working at uh, uh, restaurants and uh, liquor stores and stuff like that. That's kind of what he, he did. And uh, my mom was stay at home at that time. I think she just had my sister. Mm. And uh, the, the apartments were so bad. And they were so unhappy here. Uh, just the cultural shock and uh, the financial shock and right. just living in those conditions. They weren't used to it. Right. Different world. And different world. For sure. And so <clears throat> they were contemplating a move out back to Mexico. But uh, a neighbor, an older lady, told my mom, hey, there's rumors that they're building a parking lot here for the, for the, um, and an expansion for the uh, hospital next door. Mm -hmm. You should stay because they're going to buy us out. They're going to buy the leases out. And that's what they did. A couple months later, they gave her $2,500 to okay. uh, uh, buy the lease out. And then I think it was $500 to move and uh, just to move her furniture in that. Right. And she didn't have very much. And so what did she do with the three grand? She went and contacted a, a real estate agent mm -hmm. and they bought a house. She bought a house without my father's permission, <laughs> permission or knowledge. Right. And uh, she went and uh, that's the type of woman she is. She just does it. Yeah. She doesn't ask permission. No, she doesn't need any, right? Yeah. She yeah. doesn't need a per permission. Right. And uh, plus he would say no. Mm -hmm. He would probably have said, no, we're going back to Mexico. It's what do they say? It's better to ask for forgiveness yes. than permission, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And that's the code she lives by. Right. And so she uh, uh, she went and about the fifth house that she saw, she said, this is it. Walking distance from the school and the grocery stores. Mm -hmm. There was a bus route nearby. She put the money down payment. And back then, Mike... She said there was only two papers that you would sign. One was the promissory note, one right. was the deed. Yeah. And that was it. Yeah, because everybody hadn't been sued a thousand times right. over at that point, right? Right. <laughs> right. So it was a, a 10, 15-minute process. Yeah. And uh, she went back with the keys, showed my dad, and he uh, he didn't freak out. Yeah. It was it was strange. He just Now, were you born at the time? or Not yet. Okay, not yet. <clears throat> at that time, uh, a couple years later is when I was born uh, there. I was born and raised in that house. My mom still owns that house. She paid it off, I don't know, 30, 40 years ago. Oh, really? Ago. She still has it today? She still has it, yeah. No way, yeah. really? And mm -hmm. so is she, like, does she rent it out or? No, she she does have a little conversion in the uh -huh. garage that she rents out. But that area where she's at, it's a little triangle in San Antonio. It's okay. called a Deco District. Uh -huh. And um, that Deco District is starting to gentrify. Mm-hmm. And so they're in, they're coming in to that little triangle, and they're all they're on each side of the triangle buying up those houses that back then were thirty two thousand, yeah. now they're you know four hundred fifty thousand, wow, five hundred thousand. They're little two bedroom houses. Pretty good investment. Right? Yeah, she doesn't want to sell. She won't sell. You don't think so? No. Even if they keep pushing and pushing if, in. If they gave her five hundred, so she's living there. She lives there. Okay, okay. If right. they gave her five hundred thousand or something like that, right? I think she'd take it, and okay. move up to Dallas. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah, be close to the grandkids. That's right. Right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. But that's kind of like my background in real estate, always been interested in it. So yeah, what ultimately like pushed you, so what did you, you know, what did you do kind of leading up to it? And then what ultimately pushed you to go into real estate? Right. So the, um, at some point I felt like I had topped out as far as my salary, my, uh, the money I was making yeah. in the body shop business. Right. Um, in, uh, I had ran a couple of shops. Uh, down south in San Antonio, and I managed. Uh, well, I managed those two shops, and I was in. Uh, I was a service advisor uh -huh. uh, for a collision center, and <clears throat> that uh, that position, you know, you can only make so much, right? And that's it. And that just wasn't enough for me, right? Uh, just for, with a growing family yeah. and that. 
Uh, I did get into video production, which was great. I learned a lot, mm -hmm. uh, but still not enough for me uh, with now four kids. Uh, back then, just planning, <laughs> yeah. you know, to have a family just wasn't enough. I just, yeah. My wife's a teacher as well. Uh, mm -hmm. And so uh, that really caused me to look at basically taking an, an inventory of giftings and talents and see where it could land me. Right. And the uh, epiphany came one day when I was thinking, okay, well, maybe I'll sell something. Maybe I'll be the guy that sells, maybe a furniture store. Maybe I'll right. sell furniture. Maybe I'll sell cars. Mm -hmm. And I did that for a while. Well, that's actually not a bad thing. I mean, when, you, no. when you're when you selling stuff prior right. to moving into something like selling real estate, yes. you kind of, what, what are they, like you, you earn your chops a little bit, like you, you practice your spiel, you work on what you say to people, how you say things. So having experience selling other things um, certainly prepares you for getting into this, right? Absolutely. Selling things to other people really helps you focus on what to say and what not to say. You right. said it right. Because <laughs> right. you don't say, you don't tell a client, you say, do you think you can afford this? Yeah. No. Right. You assume they can afford anything that they're looking at. For sure. And so that type of respect that I learned for the client is what I took into uh, real estate. Mm -hmm. And so <clears throat> using that, my service advising uh, experience because you deal with clients on a day-to-day -day basis with and clients, customers every day. Yeah, dealing in the body shop business. What I did, I was kind of a, for lack of a better term, kind of a liaison between the uh, the insurance and the shop. Okay, and sometimes it felt like you were a liaison within the shop between the insurance and the actual body shop guy. Mm -hmm. uh, the insurance would say we're paying this much, and body shop guys, well, that's not enough. Right. And then you're in the middle. Uh, looking like the bad guy. You got to be the middleman. Right. You're the messenger, and they're the, trying to kill you. <laughs> the messenger, yeah, and it, and it's full of alpha males. Yeah. The whole place is full of alpha males. For sure. I mean, they they're big guys. Uh, they don't even have to be big. They're just aggressive. Yeah. And dealing with that just teaches you just a range of uh, uh, ways to deal with different people. Sure. So, yeah. Well, because you're dealing with somebody on one side who's telling you how it's going to be, and then you have to deal with the customer on the other side to try to explain that information to them in a, in a digestible manner, right? right? So they can take it all in, fully understand what you're saying, and they may not always agree with you, obviously, or agree with you know whatever they're paying, whatever, so then you have to, you have to balance out how to make them um, at least feel comfortable with what you're charging or explain it to them well enough to where they understand it so they feel like they're not getting ripped off or whatever the case may be. And especially, I think cars is a unique situation, it, not, a, not too dissimilar to real estate, simply because you are um, explaining stuff to somebody that they don't typically deal with and understand. Absolutely. Right? So Absolutely. a car, in, I, I'm not a car person. I, you know, my car is I think 15, 20 years old. Like I, I don't, I'm not that in, I know you're a big time car guy. Yeah. But for me walking into a body shop or a dealership or a, rep, or a repair shop or whatever, I'm not going to have a full breadth of knowledge as to what to expect and what I think they should say or what the cost should be. So a lot of what I decide when I deal with people is like, how do I feel about, do I trust this human? Like right. this individual that I'm right. dealing with, they're giving me information. Do I feel comfortable and do I trust them? Right. Because I have no idea what they're talking about, right? Exactly. And it's very similar in real estate because unless you buy and sell houses on a you know yearly basis, which most average people don't, then this is a whole new game for you. And this is something that's like, you know, Egyptian hieroglyphics that someone has to translate for you, right? Even if you bought a house a year ago right. and you're buying again or yeah. selling again, it's such a different market yeah. from two years ago. I remember two years, two and a half years ago, whenever we got locked down and quarantined, 
uh, I didn't receive a phone call for five weeks. Yeah. And I was I was ready to have a record month or quarter. Right. I had five listings <clears throat> about to go live. One was live, uh, four about to go live, and they all hit the brakes. Mm -hmm. They all paused. They all said, wait, we don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. And it was a scary time, but um, dealing with that situation uh, really... Uh, formed me and molded me uh, to even two years ago who I am today because uh, going back in the uncertainties of what uh, of what that was going to bring uh, you have to be prepared and so preparing yourself as as a realtor is is important but also preparing your buyer and saying hey seven eight years ago buy, uh, sellers used to pay closing costs for yeah for buyers all the time all the time is regular thing. now buyers are paying closing costs for sellers yes. and that is a hard pill to swallow yeah especially when uh, they're going back to their job site and says and they're celebrating hey we got the house we've got it under contract oh great yeah we had to bring 20,000 30,000 more to closing and the, the co-workers saying I didn't have to do that I didn't do that yeah when when I bought they paid my closing costs yep. matter of fact I had a zero why don't you call my loan officer yep. that I used to work with and my realtor, uh -huh. now they're pissed. Yeah. They're thinking, oh man, I got really screwed. But if they've been out there and you've educated them, uh, and for lack of a better term, but you've, they've got experience, they, maybe they wrote three or four yeah. or 14 offers. Yeah. And now they they feel like they can do your job, right? That's what you want them to feel like. Well, that's trust, right? Yeah. They, they, they trust you. And that's what, what I was saying about the car dealers or the, you know, the repair shop or whatever. It's this kind of the same idea. It's like, I have to have trust with that person or feel Absolutely. like I can trust them. And when that conversation happens, at, you know, if you've worked with this client or you've explained everything, thing, everything to them thoroughly and you've gone through the entire process and they understand exactly what to expect, then when they go have that conversation with the coworker, it'll probably still go the same way and coworkers, coworker says, well, this is what I did, right. you should call my person. But they walk away from that going, well, I, I mean, I understand that because Albert explained to me how it used to be and, right. and now it's like this. So yeah, yeah, thank you, I appreciate it. But they had the trust in you and they feel comfortable with the information that you've given them. Absolutely. So therefore they're not searching for other answers somewhere else because they feel like you've given them the right information. Right, when you've got a little bit of background, a little bit of information, it's, it's like my mechanics. I have two mechanics, different parts of the city, but yeah. um, one of them told me, you're one of my best clients. I said, how? Says because if I tell you it's gonna be a thousand dollars for this, you just say okay and you pay it. Yeah. You don't fight me on it. Right. And it's not about haggling, it's that I know that he's telling me the truth. Yeah. He's telling me, hey, I've got a yes, the seal on that transmission and engine is, you know, thirty-five dollars, but yeah. I've got to pull the engine. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's eight hundred dollars. That's a thousand dollars. I get it. Yeah. The labor's there. Uh, I had just the other day. I have a, a, a classic car and uh, <clears throat> I was removing uh, a bolt, not to bore you, but uh, it was a spindle mm -hmm. uh, on the wheel and I could not remove that bolt. Uh, so much so, it, I mean, I, it took me five hours to try to remove that. Finally, I removed the whole unit. I took it to uh, a new mechanic because I just moved and he removed it, I don't know, 45 seconds, right. a minute. <laughs> yeah. And I thought, oh. Yeah. He just saved me five hours. Yeah. Well, he charged me a one-hour labor, yeah. and that was a hundred bucks. Well, but you he, you didn't pay for the twenty years of experience exactly. that he had prior to that. Exactly. Yeah. So, so as realtors, we don't get paid for what we do. Right. We get paid for what we might have to do, oh. and the experience that backs that up.
Well, and what you know and what you've gone through. And so that, that protects clients against possibilities of things happening and what could occur. And I think, I think a hard thing is, I think it's a human problem kind of, is that a lot of people deal in today. They deal in right now in Absolutely. any transaction. This is what, you know, that you go to the car mechanic and he wants to charge you $500 more than it should be. And you know, as a, as a customer, as a client, you're kind of like, I feel like I might be getting taken advantage of here. And, and but I don't want to argue too much. I want to fight too much. But I do know that the next time I have this problem, I'm not coming back here. Right. Right. Because I think most people, it, it, listen, some people are going to stand there at the counter and they're going to argue and they're going to haggle and they're going to do. But I think a lot of people just like, I'm not going to mess with this. I, right. I got, I feel like I got taken advantage of. So lesson learned, right? The fool mm-hmm. me once, you know, shame on me, whatever. Um, where, or shame on you is right. Uh, <laughs> but when, but when you have another issue that comes up with your car, you're not going to go back to that place again. And so those types of places and those types of businesses tend to, you know, eventually, you know, that catches up with them, they run out. Right. And it's the same thing in our world where, you know, if everything is focused on this one transaction, you're just like, well, I'm not going to tell them this because I don't want to scare them away from this house. Or I'm not going to, you know, as a, as a lender, I'm not going to uh, talk too much about the rate because I don't want them to be, right. you know, shopping around doing whatever. Well, if you don't explain everything thoroughly and you don't put it all out there, well, you know, maybe you make a little bit less or maybe the transaction takes a little bit longer or whatever the case may be on whatever transaction you're doing. But the idea is that it's not just about the one, it's about the future transactions that come after that. Absolutely. It's about the referrals. It's about treating someone well. So that way they tell their friends and their family and everybody else. And, you know, even I think, um, I hear stories all the time about agents that will go to the for sale by owners, right? And uh, try to pick up those listings and help them out. But, you know, a lot of times they don't want to involve the agents because of the commission and everything else. Well, I know multiple agents that have gone in and said, hey, look, I know that you don't want to have an agent, but here's a few things you might want to keep in mind because I just want to help you out. You know what I mean? And they didn't sell that house, but they got the brother and the cousin and the Mm -hmm. uncle and everybody else that came after because they set aside their desire for a commission and a paycheck right then to just be a good human being and help somebody out. And that leads to future business. Right, right. Yeah, I had one situation like that, that kind of spiderwebbed into five different transactions. Um, The agent that was helping them uh, or trying to help them really had no business in real estate. Right. And that person uh, referred me and said, and she admitted like, hey, I don't know what I'm doing. Can you help me? And I said, sure, what's the case? You know, and she was listing a house and she just could not make the numbers right. She just couldn't figure it out. She couldn't figure out the transaction. I told her, yeah, I can help you. And she said, okay, we'll go 50-50 on this one. I said, fantastic, we'll do it. Helped her, we got it done. And uh, that person referred me to a friend from California. They bought, sold, uh, and I'm selling, let's see, they, they bought, they bought two other um, investment properties. Mm-hmm. I'm listing their property and they're buying brand new. Oh, wow. So it's five transactions with one person based on a discounted listing that I was helping somebody with. Right. It wasn't even my listing right. at the beginning. It was just somebody that needed help. In over their head a little bit. Right. Helped out. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I'm going to make 1500 bucks on this. At the time, it was like 1500 or 2000 bucks. Right. I'm going to do it when prices were, you can find a decent house for 180000 <laughs> All right. And uh, I said, I'm going to help them out. And I did. And look what it came to. I yeah. mean, I, I probably did, uh, I don't know, close to $2 million with that one client. 
So you uh, you mentioned right there about you know when you could get a house for one hundred eighty thousand um, dollars. What uh, you know being out there every day. I know you do a lot of listings. Um, mm-hmm. That's that's kind of your bread and butter, and you'll mix in the occasional buyer, but. Um, from your point of view, like, you know, where you see the market at today, you know, obviously the questions always come up all the time, you know, is this going to settle out? Is it going to, or how home price is going to go down? Is it going to cool off? All that kind of stuff. So what are you seeing out there? Like on a day-to-day basis that indicates you where things are headed? Okay. So I see a lot of irresponsibility. Okay. And so why? Because uh, like you said, 90% of my businesses is listings, but I do have uh, a buyer. Uh, a couple buyers right now and what I've seen is I walk into these uh, listings that are just horrible I've got a young guy uh, Jordan uh, and he is looking at these houses and I'm telling him uh, Jordan I'm gonna treat this as if you were my cousin or my brother or something right. uh, I'm not gonna tell you this is a bad house run but I'm gonna tell you look at this are you sure you want a house with foundation problems? And now he's pretty much a foundation expert because right. he walks in and he says, oh my gosh, this whole corner needs maybe 10 right. piers on this side right. of the house. Right. And so he understands the process now, but I hear other agents when I'm in there and say, oh, it's not that bad. I mean, right. they're downplaying the foundation, which in our area sometimes can be severe. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I saw a house where you can visibly see the entire house going down. Mm-hmm. As you walked in, half of the house was going downhill. I mean, visibly. Right. And I heard an agent saying, well, um, you know, as long as they stabilize it. And I'm thinking, what are you talking about? Right. If you put a ball down in the middle of the house, it's going to roll that way yeah. for the next 30, 40 years. Right. That's not, That's gonna, not a good thing. It's yeah. not going to go away. Right. I mean, this thing has horrible, horrible foundation damage. You yeah. must repair it. I mean, it, it, there's no doubt. Well, once we get in the contract, we can do, sure, but you're starting off on a really bad, no pun intended, really bad foundation. Yeah. And so I see a lot of irresponsibility out there. And that, Mike, is going to turn into something. Yeah. When, when these buyers are in those houses and they're like, I made a bad deal. It's not worth paying the next mortgage payment that I'm struggling with. Right. And they're going to let those houses go. Yeah. That's my opinion. Yeah. I think we still have an inventory problem. And in Texas, we still will have an inventory problem, no yeah. matter what. Yeah. It's not going to be like 2008, I don't believe. But yeah. I believe it's going to be more of a rolling type of foreclosure deal uh-huh. where you have uh, uh, certain uh, situations that start foreclosing. And uh, for lack of a better term, a kind of a domino effect, uh-huh. but not as Dr- dramatic, not or as dramatic as, yeah. as 08, 09. Yeah. But it's just going to be rolling. Right. At 808, 09, I remember in 09 driving by in the Red Oak, Lancaster area and seeing, you know, Texas has all these uh, uh, stereotypes, you know, the horses and stuff. Right. Well, that area does have the horses, the yeah. cowboys drive. Stereotypes oh, for a reason. Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> we got they're, it. <laughs> they're, they're down the street on the horses yeah. and stuff. And so one of those areas and a new subdivision that was started in 07, mm-hmm. 06, 07. And it's called Bear Creek. And I saw it and there was maybe <clears throat> room for maybe 200 houses. And there was only eight or nine houses built on it. Right. And there was literal tumbleweeds, literal tumbleweeds <laughs> going down the street. Yeah. And I thought, wow, this is scary. And yeah. uh, they had stopped production. And that, you go back now and it's fully packed. They're on like phase three or phase sure. four now. 
and they're building another 150, 100, you know, 80 houses. I mean, it's it's tremendous growth, but it's not enough growth. Well, we have we have no lack of land, right? No lack of land. That's not the issue. Um, we just have lack of actual homes and right. um, builders, uh, you know, need time and to 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 get caught up. Um, because the other issue that you know I'm seeing at least a little bit is you know you have. Um, a lot of private capital coming into the real estate market. I think I read something the other day. It's something like somewhere between 20 and 30 percent. I read on the same read, thing. Where it used to be three percent, now yes, it's 30 percent. Right, and the, these private capital groups are coming in, and this is why you know I feel like a lot of the prices are really starting to push up because they are offering straight cash offers, sight unseen, 10 grand, 15, 20 thousand dollars over listing price. And then your average, you know, homeowner wants to come in and compete with that. And every time they try to push it, okay, well, we can do an extra 15 grand or we can do an extra right. 20 grand. Well, then the private equity company says, well, we'll do 30. Right. You know, we'll do whatever we have to do to get it because a couple things I understand. I, I really feel like I think we're moving towards a direction of trying to commoditize housing. Mm-hmm. where um, it becomes no different than oil or you know pork bellies or whatever, where a, a select group of, of companies or individuals mm-hmm. or whatever you want to call it, own a good chunk of real estate in certain areas and it flows up and down just depending on their whims, mm-hmm. you know, on the supply and demand of it because people are going to have to have a place to live. Yeah. You know, you, you can't not live somewhere. And um, if you're priced out of purchasing something, then your only option is to rent. And if you're priced out of purchasing, then you don't have a lot of bargaining power when it comes to rent mm-hmm. because rents are going to continue to drive up as the values continue to go up. And you're going to see more and more where the average Joe, the first time home buyer, the even the step up to second level two is going to start to get more and more priced out because those 20, 30% of homes that are being purchased, they don't come back on the market. They're staying off. So right. the only thing that we can do is have builders catch up. Well, if builders are paying higher for steel, if they're paying higher for transportation, if they're paying higher for labor and all of that, then the $200,000 house is is like a unicorn. It's, right. it's going away. Or the, I should say the $200,000 new build right. is going away because there's no margin. There's no right, profit. Right. And so that's gone. I mean, right. outskirts maybe uh, 280 in the, I mean, outskirts an hour and a half away from Dallas. Right. But... Uh, 350 is kind of the the norm now. That's right the now. starting new build price. Yeah. That's the base model with no nothing. Right? Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, base model before the 20, 30,000 upgrades, you yes. know. Um, and it's still a great option, but yeah, you're right. All the prices are catching up uh, to the builders, which are transferring it to the buyers. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's, it's something that we've never seen. Uh, I, I think my personal opinion is that we are going to level mm-hmm. out a bit we're not going to see the exponential growth that we've been seeing. We're right. still going to that's see right. growth. Yeah. Well, I think that's the thing is uh, what you were talking about earlier about the 2008, 2009 yes. deal where prices fell off the map, which by <clears throat> the way, in Texas, we didn't really feel it that much. You felt right. it in other, other states because <clears throat> their lending laws were a little bit looser than ours are here. Um, you know, like in California, you, people use their house like a credit card where right. it would go just up refinances. 10 to 20% and they just refinance and take money out every, right. every year. But, but here we have laws that don't allow that, you know, necessarily. But the issue was, is that, or the issue is, is that, you know, with the, with the shortage of housing and the lack of people being able to, you know, really afford it, you just, um, you have a tighter and tighter market. I don't see a world where housing prices plummet. What I see and what I agree with you is that they will plateau. We can't have 20%, you know, 
price increase growth every year. I mean, which is what it's been for like the last two years. It's wild. You can't, you can't do that forever. There's no way. So at right. some point it's got to play now. Right. Um, I stopped tracking it. I just read your emails yeah. and now, now I know, <laughs> right. but I used to track it. And yeah. I remember during the, uh, the fall there of, uh, cause there was a, a lag when the lockdowns happened yeah. here in Texas and I saw a 22% decrease. Yeah. And, and I was thinking, what in the world? What's going to happen? And started panicking a little bit. And then I thought, well, I'm always going to be relevant. Yeah. <laughs> if they're selling or they're or they're always going to be selling. Buy and sell homes. It's not going to stop. It's not going to stop. So yeah. it's I'm always going to be relevant. I'm calm. Okay, yeah. great. But when it went back up, it actually got scarier. Yeah. When the prices started getting so high that I have people uh, that call me and say, uh, you know, I want a $1,600 payment. Ooh, that's difficult. Yeah. Do you yeah, have $200,000 right, right now? Yeah. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's that's uh, kind of the scary part of the market. But yeah. also right now, the, the flip side is sellers are, are uh, doing really well. Sure. sure. Sellers are, especially those that are moving. Uh, I, 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 ha I A lot of my business is uh, from my online presence. Yeah. So when they call me, it's an inbound call. They're calling me. Uh, saying, Albert, we want to sell our house. We're moving to Chicago. We're moving to wherever. Right. And um, they're getting a lot of equity out of their house now, moving to a situation where it may be not as aggressive as DFW. Right. Uh, sometimes it is. I had a customer moving to California, uh, close to Los Angeles, right. being uh, in the military. They moved over there. And so, yes, that's rough. But most of them, they're going and they're in a fantastic position. Yeah. Or when they're stepping up, maybe not in size, but they're stepping up in uh, in quality. For right. instance, they have a 2,300 square foot home in this area of town that they really don't love. They really don't love the school district, mm -hmm. uh, you know, X, Y, Z. And they're selling and buying maybe a house that's $100,000 more, uh, nicer, newer, better school district. Uh, but their quality of life is going up and uh, they're happier and they've got some money in their pocket to yeah. maybe pay down consumer debts. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. Well, having that extra equity, I mean, it's great for sellers because they can do so many things with it. Um, and it's, you know, it truly is a, you know, it's, it's one of the only, um, accessible paths to wealth that a lot of people, you know, currently can get because, you know, uh, purchasing a home and having equity and, and building that over time, um, can put you and set you up for future, you know, future gains, because now you can, uh, buy a bigger home or you can have more cash down the road and downsize to help you retire and you know and all those kind of factors the the hard part is is that you know that american dream you know that we've had for for forever um is starting to be very selective on who has access to it oh absolutely and and that's the that's the part that is most concerning for me is because you know these days we lease everything right you i mean most people lease their car um you know your your phone you know, you really don't own your phone because you 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 buy it for six hundred dollars from you know AT and T or Apple, but really you're paying thirty bucks a month. And then by the time you're paid off, it's two years. Your battery starts to die, and you gotta get a new phone. Right, right. Right. We don't. They own, worked in those glitches. That's right. Yeah. We don't own our media. We don't own music. We don't own movies. Mm -hmm. We we pay for Netflix. We pay for Spotify. You know, we don't own anything. Right. So it's it's large companies getting a you know nice little uh, drip from you that on a monthly basis we just want your monthly subscription. Right. Pay us your monthly money. Pay us your monthly lease payment. Pay us your monthly subscription fee. 
pay us your monthly rent. Mm -hmm. You know, that's where we're kind of starting to head to. And if you're a younger person that, you know, especially after COVID is, is maybe the job opportunities aren't as good as they used to be. Um, you're in a gig economy now where, you know, you don't have a steady paycheck. You're driving Uber, you're delivering DoorDash, you're doing all these things. Maybe you're, you're, you're have your own business, which I do think is kind of a offshoot positive thing of all this is that people are getting a little bit more of, well, I don't need to go work for, you know, Johnson and Johnson. I can, you know, start my own thing, right? right. I can create my own business and be an entrepreneur. Speaking you know? of the gig business, you know, the Uber drivers, Lyft, yeah. all those things. Uh, a lot of people almost downplay that as um, like second class. Yeah. And for me, it's, uh, it's hustlers. They're sure. getting out there and hustling and yeah. doing what they have to do yeah. with the time given to them. So right. may, maybe they have their nine to five and they work and they, they do well, they're working for somebody else, yeah. but then they have an extra two hours before they have to pick up their kid or right. or whatever, their yeah. kids at soccer practice, whatever the case may be, yeah. or after they're in bed, in bed and they're going out working yeah. an hour or two. I mean, that's phenomenal. When you can go out, make a few bucks, come yeah. back, and instead of watching, you know, uh, whatever, like we are, the, the office for right. the 10th time, right. The entire series, yeah. they're out there working and uh, making some money. I, I don't look down upon it. Uh, I think people should uh, see that as an honorable thing that they're going out there and hustling. But I think they wouldn't have done it if they wouldn't have been pressured. Well, that's the problem. It's not that it's good or bad because it's, anything's what you make it. But but it's that they have to, yes, right? Because they have to. when your parents were growing up and my parents were growing up in the fifties and sixties. You know, you could you could have a one income household and live a pretty good life, right? right? Dad would go to work, and I, you know, I know nowadays dad and mom work, and it's a, but at that time, you know, predominantly men worked out of the house right. and women stayed home, and so at that point, you know, whatever salary he's working at the factory or wherever they're, you know, at the office or whatever, that was enough to pay the mortgage, to pay for the cars, to handle everything, and mom didn't have to work. Absolutely. Well, now with the rising cost of everything and wages kind of staying. You know, with you factor in inflation where wages really haven't gone up and actually they've kind of gone down a little bit, you know, it's not possible to do that anymore. Right. Now you have to have the gig deal. You have to have that side hustle to make that money because otherwise you can't pay your rent, you can't pay your food um, because, you know, unless, I mean, even when you tack on college expenses too, because we've been told, you know, for the last 30 years, we have to go to college. You got to go to college right. and get your degree, which, you know, has a lot of valuable benefits to it. But at for the same people, time, yeah. When you walk out of it with $150,000 worth of debt and you're making 30 grand a year in your first job, right? how does the math on that work? You know, it's, it's really, really tough. Um, and that's why even more so when we talk about like what we do, you know, what you and I do mm -hmm. with real estate and, and what I do with lending, um, you know, you have to find something that you can determine your own destiny, right? Absolutely. And that's what real estate is for me more than anything else is you make and do as much as you want, right? right? Right. And and having that freedom and ability to do that is, um, you know, that's why so many people have flocked to real estate for the last couple of years because you know there's been a frenzy for it and people are in and out. Um, but it has be created a job to where if you want to work hard and you want to get after it and you want to be smart about it and be efficient with your time and figure out the best methods to do it, you can have a ton of success. And there's the key is figuring out how, right? Because everybody has the desire, right? but nobody knows how. Right. And there's other people that are doing it right around you, but they don't tell you how. Right. And so I think the most 
uh, I think I feel the saddest or the most feared for uh, those new agents or maybe agents that have been in the business one or two years yeah. or brand new starting in. I think they got caught kind of in the FOMO uh, of real estate thinking, wow, this is great. Let's get in here. Right. And so one got, house, you make $6,000 right, or $8,000. Right. And like they a, got in the most difficult time yeah. and they're being pressured and they don't have enough money to pay their mortgage. Right. It's a scary time for them. But um, and anytime I... I I deal with new agents or I talk to new agents. I try to coach them a little bit, right. especially if they're on the other side of the transaction. Right. Uh, try to coach them. Try to help them be responsible without me being irresponsible to my client. You know, Just giving them tips, not, not telling them to, something to do on the transaction. Right. Just asking the right questions. So a lot of, I think a lot of new agents, when they get into the business, you know, I see it because I talk to new agents a lot where, um, you know, they spend a lot of time in classes, right? Well, I got to go learn uh, how to write the contract correctly. I got to go learn about this amendment. I got to go, you know, learn about this new law that was passed and how to adjust it. And so they spend a lot of time in classrooms. They spend a lot of time in offices. Is that where business is is no. is is no. is uh, cultivated? No, there's no. actually a gentleman. He's very very successful. Um, and he was, uh, I think it was his third year in real estate when he hit the brokerage that I was with. Yeah. And, um, I would see him in the office. I, I, I usually go to the office like twice a week. Yeah. And, uh, I saw, I would see him in there every time I'm, I'm in there and he's just there. And I told him, what are you doing? What are you working on? Oh man, I'm trying to drum up these leads and this and that. And, uh, he does uh, jujitsu, uh, just like I do. Yeah. And I said, um, I gave him a quick tip. I said, look, your business is at jujitsu. Yes. Go do jujitsu. Yes. Go be the realtor uh, there at yes. their gym, at yep. your gym. Focus on building relationships in jujitsu and your business will grow. Yes. Uh, any social circle, that, and this is what I tell new agents, any social circle that you have, plug into them. Yeah. That young man, that guy, he is a tremendous uh, top producer. And, and now... But yeah. then he was struggling. Yeah. He was struggling. But it's like the lights went off, then you never saw him in the office again unless yeah. he had to make a copy or something. Yeah. But he was hustling out there and making deal after deal, doing super good. Yeah. And, and even now he's used practicing those things. It's just kind of you have to unlock something for somebody. Yeah. You don't take credit for it. You yeah. didn't do it. Yeah. You just unlock something, an yeah. idea, and they run with it. That's what I try to do with new agents. It's like your business is not in the office yeah. with other agents necessarily. Well, and a lot of people that know you look and see what you do because you're into jujitsu, you're into classic cars, you're very involved in your church. Um, there's a lot of things that you spend a lot of your time doing. And then you tell somebody, well, what do you do? Well, I'm a realtor. And they're like, what, what do you mean? Like, you're right. always here at the classic car thing. Right. You're always you're always rolling with everybody in class, a, right. a jujitsu class. And, right. you know, you're at every function for church. So when do you find the time to do that? And and what you're saying is that those activities that you're doing and that you're spending time in is work. Like you are working. Absolutely. You know? Somebody says, somebody asked me, hey, um, what time are you headed to the office tomorrow? I need to call you. Um, are you are you working tomorrow? I know it's a good Friday. Right. Like, uh, I work all the time yeah. and I work never. Yeah. When my phone rings, I work. When it I doesn't, work. I don't. Right, right, right. And so the scariest time is when we're on vacation and I put, we have a rule. I put my phone in the safe. Yeah. Because uh, I know that I'm going to answer that phone call. I put it in the safe. I lock it up. And at 5 p.m. or whatever time we come back, I get to open it. Yeah. And I have 30 minutes to <laughs> to update everybody. Do. <laughs> right. And then put it back in there yeah. and do the same thing the next day. Yeah. And, and it's because I enjoy it so much. Yeah. 
it's not like uh, it's pressure that I, I need to do this on vacation. Oh, how yeah. sad. Yeah. No, I like to do it. Yeah. But I have to, if I'm on vacation, I need to put it up. Yeah. And so, um, and that's a great problem to have. Yeah. Uh, I think the most business I get is when I'm on vacation. Hey, we always, that's what the adage is, right? In the business is you want to, you, if you're slow and you need to get busy, go on vacation. Right, like, right. That's all you got to do is yeah. go on a trip. So, so to new agents, I would say, um, Identify. I would say to the. I would say this to new agents. Identify your social circles. Mm-hmm. Tap into them. Not to make business transactions, but yeah. to build relationships. And yeah. in those relationship building is where the business happens. Right. Um, I. I don't go to church and say, "Oh, uh, you want to buy a house? You God house? bless you. You, you want to sell a house? <laughs> you want to sell your house? You want to leave our church? Sell a house? Yeah. No, no, I don't do that. I just." help people they have a question i'll answer it yeah and then they send me business yeah i mean that's all it is yeah at jujitsu i remember i got a call it was some we had a uh a bulletin board and somebody uh, another uh business owner told me uh hey you should put your card up there and so i said what really everybody knows i'm a realtor yeah no no you should put it up there and i put it up there pinned it and uh like three days later i get a call says, oh yeah, my son referred me to you. And I had no idea who they were talking about. Yeah. And I only knew the son by the last name. Right. And uh, I had no clue. And we, we got further and further into the transaction till I finally figured out who it was. And it was because of that card. Well, I think that's a thing that, it, so there's two, there's two parts. There is the, hey, get into your social circles, get into you, the things that you're passionate about, right? You're passionate about classic cars, you're passionate about jujitsu, you're passionate about your, your church life. Get into those things because when people see that passion that you have for that and who you are in that world, mm-hmm. that goes a long way in developing trust for somebody who wants to help have you help buy or sell their home. Absolutely. But the second piece to that, which is, I mean, kind of what we're doing right now is you have to tell people what you do in one way or another, yes. right? It doesn't mean you have to hand out your business cards and go, want to sell your house, want to sell your house, right. want to sell your house. But it does mean that you have to, you know, whether it's, wearing a shirt that has your brokerage on it, or right. whether it's producing content for social media on a regular basis related to real estate, right. you know, not asking for people to buy or sell their homes, but just, hey, this is a house I t- listed today. This is, you know, some of the features of it, you know, that kind of stuff. Right. Um, but you have to make sure that people know what you do, because if you don't at least spend a little bit of time put it, pinning your card up, you know, on the church bulletin or or, or posting a picture of your newest listing online or whatever, right. then um, a lot of your friends and family you know, because again, they don't, you know, I, I tell my kids this all the time, you know, it sounds kind of callous, I guess, but, but I do believe it to some extent in that people aren't thinking about you. Okay. Mm-hmm. They're thinking about themselves. Right. Like they're thinking about the, what they have to make for dinner tonight, what, you know, what, what they're, what happened at their job today or whatever. They're not thinking about you. Right. Okay. You're thinking about you <laughs> and me and your mom are thinking about you, right. but nobody else is. Okay. Right. So don't worry about all the, you know, I do it and just don't worry about all the noise around you because you know, the embarrassment or whatever you think you're going to do, people aren't concerned about you, but it applies in the same way to business because People are thinking about themselves and their daily lives and what they have to go through. And for you and me, in order for us to penetrate that world, gotta interrupt. We gotta show up every once in a while. Right. We gotta show up on their Facebook feed. We gotta show up at their church function. We gotta show up to lunch. We gotta show up and put our face in front of them because if we don't, 
then when the moment comes that they are ready to buy or sell mm -hmm. or do whatever they need to do, they're not gonna think of you, they're gonna think right. of whoever does a better job at that than you. Right. Right. You know, Mike, uh, my social circles had all given fruit uh, as far as um, they've all produced sales. Yeah. Um, and it, I wanted to grow that uh, more and more, but well, the one thing that I couldn't tap into was church because you're at church to do church. Right. You're not there to promote real estate. You're right. not doing, but I thought in the back of my head, why has nobody bought or sold houses with me at church? And yeah. it had been years. Yeah. Like, why? And one day, it all unfolded, it all unlocked. What happened was a guy from my church that was also into jujitsu invited me over to his house and we, we practiced right in his uh, garage. And uh, when I looked at his house, I said, man, do you know how much your house is worth? I, it was literally conversation. Sure. I wasn't trying to sell him or yeah, anything. Yeah. He was like, uh, I don't know. And he gave me a number. I said, yeah, you're about $100,000 off. He was like, no way. It's like, yes, dude. Yes, absolutely. He's like, well, I'm never going to sell. I'm like, oh, okay, that's fine. I said, but if anybody, you know, around you, you know, just let them know that I'm, I'm here to sell their house. Well, the neighbor from across the street came over mm -hmm. and we talked for a minute. Uh, we didn't even talk real estate. He added me on Facebook and we were friends there. We laughed at each other's jokes or comments or whatever. Then a few months later, he tells me, hey, I want to sell my house. Okay, great. So I sell his house. And then my friend, the original guy, he's like, guess what? We're moving. I sell both houses in that same block. I wound up selling uh, four houses in that neighborhood from that transaction. But what happened was the gen the first gentleman, his wife, since they went to my church, they, they were, you know, I walked on water all of a sudden because we got, you know, seven offers. Right. And the first. You're amazing. You're the, the first ten, off <laughs> 10 hours, you know, I'm the best realtor ever. Yeah. I I'm the only one that does this. Yeah. No, a monkey can do it. Right. Or a monkey can do it. But um, no, not really. No. <laughs> it takes somebody skilled to, yeah. to do it right. Right. Um, and so uh, she started, you know, saying how. Um, how great I was on social media. Well, of course, all those people that were from my church started seeing that and realizing the correlation. Oh, okay. Oh, th this guy does real estate too. Yeah. They just hadn't realized it. Yeah. And that's that the floodgates open there. Yeah. And I just started selling a lot through there. Yeah. Um, and again, you don't go to those things for that With the reason. Intent. No, that's not no, what it is. You but just enjoy your life. Yeah. And while you're enjoying your life, let everybody know what you do for a living. That's right. That's well, it. because they they're they're buying you, right? right? They're 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 saying, I trust you, Albert, to do a great job for us. But in order for me to trust you, I have to know you. Right. And the more I know you, and the better I know you, the more trust I have in you, and the more likely I am to use you. But if I never know what you do, and you never tell me what you do, then I never know what to ask you about, right? Exactly. I have I have tons of friends that if someone were to ask me, what does so and so do for a living, I'd be like. I have no clue. I have no clue. Now, I will tell you that I have friends that if they're in sales of some kind, mm -hmm. right, whatever it is, I generally have a pretty good idea because a lot of them are pretty good at, you know, kind of making you aware of that. But I have plenty of them that, you know, I probably have car car mechanic friends and, you know, that I have yeah. no no idea that they, that's what they do. That they I could, don't market. Because they just don't talk about it. They right. tell themselves. Right. And, and I think there's this idea that you're... Well, I don't want to be pushy. I don't want, well, you don't have to be, right? right. It, it, that's not, you're not asking people at any point to buy or sell. You're just saying, here's what I do. Here's a little bit about it. And, and I always tell agents that are brand new, look, everybody likes to talk about real estate. 
Everybody does. Or at least look at real estate. Right, right. So even if you just say, oh, I, I do real estate, well, well what, you know, what's the market like? Or you right. know, I tell people I'm a lender, their first question is, where interest rates at? Today? Right, right. I'm like, well, that's a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> I got six qualifiers I can give you, but. You know, a lot of, a lot of um, new agents, they, they think about, uh, you know, promoting themselves quite a bit. And when they're brand new, there's no, uh, you, there's no uh, trust right. there. Yeah. Uh, because people are like, well, you're brand new. What do right. you know? Yeah. Uh, what I tell them is like, don't don't share you. Share the houses because people want to see houses. Yes. And so if you're trying to attract buyers, yeah. share houses. Yeah. If you're on social social media, show all the pretty houses. Well, I don't have access to them. Yes, you do. You got new homes. You got new home builds uh, everywhere. Just yeah. go visit. Go show them uh, your your stories on Instagram, on Facebook. Uh, people love seeing houses, the behind the scenes, yep. virtually visiting these new communities. Yeah. I mean, uh, we're in a day and age where you can do that daily. Mm -hmm. uh, and so people think, well, it's about me, you know, and then they put it on, face, on Facebook. If you want to buy or sell a house, yeah, contact yeah. me. Right. That's when you know realtors kind of hurting. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's the uh, first indicator. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, some of them, are, some some realtors, they, that's just their nature. They're sure. gonna do it. You find sure. out they're like mega producer. They right. just always do it. Right. But uh, people want to see the pretty houses. They're not necessarily, especially if they don't know you. They don't want to know you. Yeah. They want to see the house. Yeah. They want to see a guy who has or a gal that has the key to that house to right. go look at that house. Right. And so be that person by showing them the houses. Um, once you want to be a listing agent, yes, it's more about your about you right what can you bring to the table that's different from everybody else you know I, earlier i said only you know even a monkey can do it no um you know are you are you do you know the right pictures to take do you know well, so that's the one thing i was going to ask you so if you were if you were um talking to somebody that was thinking about selling their house right yes. now and that was a consideration for them what are you know three or four things that you know you say hey these i know uh, you know, there's a ton of, you're going to get 20 offers, you're going to get 15 offers or whatever. But, but in order to maximize the amount of money, because that's at the end of the day, that's the goal, right? Mm -hmm. We're trying to, to sell your house for the most amount right. of money. So in order to maximize that and make sure that you get the most bang for your buck, what is something that a seller right now really needs to consider um, before they start listing their home? Staging. Staging is the biggest thing because uh, professional photography is only going to take you so far right. if the house doesn't look well staged so staging is going to be your your number one thing and so a lot of agents especially like where i sell my medium is three hundred fifty thousand. Mm -hmm. you know that's my medium sell about 300 to three hundred fifty thousand. okay so if my houses are at that price range can i really afford a staging company to come in and do all these things if it's vacant or you know right. so i have a staging consultant uh, they come in and they tell you, and she is so detailed. I got her, um, I sold her house, and she used to go to my church, actually. I, and her husband was into classic cars. Yeah. And so hit him yeah. with a double whammy. Yeah. And so we went. I went into her house, and she said, she's one of those ladies, I'm sorry, it's a mess. And her house is immaculate. Right. Yeah, and I'm thinking, are you kidding with me? This right. house is beautiful. Like, yeah. we can list it today. And she yeah. says, oh, no. Yeah. There's so many things I need to do. Okay. So uh, later I hired her yeah. and uh, she goes out to my listings and she just consults them and she will give them a, a very detailed email from 
beginning to end from outside front yard to backyard. Right. And she gives them that email. She's done in about 45 minutes to an hour. And she'll give them, hey, this is the ideal situation. This is what's going to put your house above everybody else. Yeah. And people have commented, how are your listings so nice? How do they look so good? Mm-hmm. And that's that's the thing is yeah. listing is uh, is staging. Whether you're doing it yourself or you're getting it virtually done or it's just a consultation, right? Uh, there's different steps to it uh, to make the house super presentable, right? And so most of my sellers are willing to do those things. If they're not willing to do those things, then it's a different level, right? You know, right. it's a different level. You're maybe not going to get that exact number that you're thinking about, but this market makes us look stupid anyway. So let's list it. And uh, see what happens. Well, but that's what the staging thing I think is is important too, is because yeah, you're going to get 15 or 20 offers, but you know the staging piece of it, in my opinion, is creates the desire. It's the can you see yourself in this house, right? That's why they tell you don't put your family photos up and that kind of thing yes. because you want you want buyers coming in going seeing themselves in that home, not you in that home. Right, right. And if you stage it appropriately, that person that's willing to pay 10 grand over might be willing to pay 15 or 20 mm-hmm. because they got to, this is the one, this is the house. Like we're, we've, we've looked for 15 other homes. We've made 15 other offers, but this is the house. Right. And I have to have this one. I've got to have this one. So we got to do whatever we can to get it. Right. And I had one uh, listing about a year ago that was on the market for a year. Yeah. You know, that's rare. Yeah. You don't see that anymore. No. So what is the number one reason why a house is still on the market? Price, right? right? Or people say, well, no, it's not the price, it's the condition. Well, yes. It's always the price. The price has to match the condition. That's right. And so um, when I looked at this house, I wanted to buy it. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah. When I saw the house, the layout was great. I thought, wow, this is fantastic. Yeah. Why didn't it sell? Well, I looked at the price. Yeah, it was a little bit over. It was quite a bit over. But the expectation had been set to to the client. This is what your house is worth. Right. And so they wouldn't take... Two or three thousand any less than that. And so, but when I looked at the photos, it was like, okay, some agents, and this is my pet peeve, they take a picture with their cell phone, and that's enough to sell a house. Yeah, right now you may get two offers on that house, or three offers, or six offers with your cell phone. But what about 20? Right. What about having the best uh, pick of the litter, you know? And so this house, it looked, not only did they take their pictures with a cell phone look like they took it from their iPhone. Right. I mean, from their I, Apple, their watch. Watch. <laughs> Apple watch. It looked yeah. horrible. They were blurry. I mean, there was angles that I'm thinking, where, what part of the house is that? And uh, so I had the professional come in. I actually had the house cleaned. Uh, they were out of town. Uh, they lived out of town. They had moved and their house had been vacant for a year. Yeah. It was so dusty, so dirty. Uh, my person person came in with two people, two crew, crew of two, and they cleaned the house. Uh, I had the professional photographer come in. They took the pictures. I had it virtually staged. I mean, it was on for a few hours. Yeah. It was it was gone. Flew off quick. It was gone. Sold. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, you know, um, these days, uh, you, you really don't have a whole lot of hard, uh, hard time selling your home. No. It's just a matter of how much you can get for it. And right. that's really what it boils down right. to. 
Um, and I think, you know, I, I, I made a video not too long ago just talking about, you know, for sale by owner homes and, and that kind of thing. I mean, I think the statistic was it was like 17 or 18 or maybe 14%, you know, you get 14% more when you list it with an agent versus doing it on your own. Yes, you, you're going to sell your house. Right. And yes, you're going to sell it for, you know, what you may think is a good price. But what you miss is all of those little details that using an agent like you um, can really drive that price up to where you get the most bang for your dollar. And at the end of the day, that's what we're here for. Right. right? I, I think agency, uh, agency is one of the most powerful things because when it comes down to it, all you're doing is transferring the the stress to yeah. the agent. Yes. And so, and, and if you're like me, I don't care about the stress. The stress comes. That's what you do. These people are calling you. 20 people want this house. 30 people want this house. They act like your best friend. And then as soon as you tell them we chose another offer, they hate you. you. They've already (laughs) targeted you on social media. (laughs) They've gone on there and talked about, oh, these people and the market sucks and this and that. It's like all that stress. And then I had one person that they came. This is what I'm talking about. Irresponsible. I had my listing. Uh, a buyer came, they came with a phenomenal offer, uh, waived the appraisal. It was a, a owner occupant. Yeah. And so I felt great about that. And they, uh, waived the appraisal. They waived, uh, the option period. Mm-hmm. And when they got in the house, we didn't know. Apparently there's a lot of things wrong with it. We didn't know. I mean, they, they wrote whatever they knew on the yeah. seller's disclosure. They were even surprised, but what do you do there? There's no recourse. So they say, well, all these things are wrong with the house. And, and the email they sent an amendment said, it would be nice if your seller would repair these things. It was a list of things for five or $6,000. I'm thinking, well, yeah, it would be nice, yeah. but we're not here to be nice. No. We're not here to be mean either or combative. Yeah. Yeah. Sure we're just here transaction. for a transaction. Yeah. So if you send me a transaction where you waive everything, yeah. you waived everything, yeah. guess what? You you got to buy the house, yeah. Or we can sell it to somebody else. Or we sell it to somebody else. <laughs> yeah. And so that's the that's the scary sad part. But for yeah. my seller, that's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, they sold. They're buying a new house. Yeah. Uh, it's a great situation to be in. So bottom line is, is if you can sell your house, or if you're in the market to sell it today, sell it's it. the best time. <laughs> sell it, man. Well, um, I very much appreciate you, uh, you know, taking a, a little bit of time out of your day to come hang out and chat with me for a little bit. Not that we don't normally do this from right. time to time anyway. No, I love it. But now we get it on video. So, uh, you know. And you absolutely. Can, uh, absolutely. Mike, you're bringing a lot of benefit to uh, to real estate agents, mm-hmm. but also to uh, your client base as well. So I appreciate you and thank you for having me yeah. on.